Welcome to Keepers of the Word. We're an esoteric study group of Freemasons. Our purpose is to share knowledge of mystery schools and debunk any misconceptions about Freemasonry. You're here today with Mike, Ron, and uh, also James. And our special guest is Angel Miller, author of The Three Sages of Initiatic Spirituality, Craftsman, Warrior, Magician. Welcome, Angel. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's a it's a pleasure. We really appreciate it. We've uh, we've seen you on a couple other shows, and uh, we definitely wanted to get you on and talk about the book and talk about some other stuff too. So great, thank um, you. Thanks, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. So the first question I have is: Can you walk us through the journey of writing this book? What was you know what was your motivations? What 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 made you decide to do this particular book? Yeah, I don't actually quite recall how it came about, at least at least conceptually. But um, I mean, I knew I knew that there was um, these three archetypes that go back into Indo-European society, which is you know five or more thousand years ago. And um, I was also aware of um, uh, William D. Moore's comment in his book Masonic Temples. Um, where he mentions, um, well, he claims that the uh, the craft uh, craft lodge, the York Rite, and uh, the Scottish Rite represent the craftsman, the uh, what he calls the holy warrior and the mystic, and um, so there's there's a definite connection between this sort of ancient culture and then uh, this you know modern contemporary freemasonry and it should be said that he also says that the uh the uh, shriners represent the archetype of the jester but i think that that's more more questionable but um yeah i wanted to to explore these uh these three archetypes and um really i began with the craftsman especially with writing about freemasonry for some years and um, you know, not just uh, Freemasonry, but there are interesting parallels with, for example, the blacksmith. Uh, the, the blacksmith seems to have had some similar role to a Freemasonry today in that he was part of uh, the initiations in uh, tribal society. And again, you have this uh, use of the tool, particularly the hammer. And then, of course, today we, uh, we use the uh, uh, architect's tools as uh, symbols as well. But um, yeah, after and uh, you, you know, in my own life as well, apart from being a Freemason, I also practice the martial arts, and uh, my background is in um, is in uh, fine art and uh, design and fashion design as well. So it's this quite weird mix, probably. <laughs> but uh, you know, in my own life, I also mm-hmm. saw these uh, three archetypes being represented. Uh, so I wanted to. Uh, uh, to explore this this world where they where they all came together in a nutshell awesome <laughs> in a nutshell in a nutshell <laughs> so i see there's a lot of i see there's a lot of mes- metaphysical influences and information in the book um is there anything in particular that um that called to you during the writing of the book i mean is there a particular path that you were on or you know, some one particular part of that. There's a lot of different things in the book. So, I mean. Yeah, there are. Yeah, I wouldn't say that there was one thing in particular. I think it was more um, an, an awareness over over many years of the spiritual side of these different different archetypes or different archetypal vocations. So, um, 
so you know not just uh, Freemasonry, blacksmithery, alchemy, um, all related to the craftsman, but you know the warrior having this spiritual side as well. You know, most most um, popularly, uh, say the Knights Templar being related to Christian mysticism, and um, the uh, Shaolin Kung Fu being related to Buddhism. Though there are there are many others uh, like that as well. And uh, you know, even in in the uh, well, especially in the, the magician as well which is a much broader subject, everything from, you know, ancient tribal shamanism to uh, Jungian psychology. So it wasn't really one thing that appealed to me most, although I would say maybe in my life, um, uh, maybe the warrior and warrior spirituality has, has been a particular interest over the last few years, but it was more really just trying to uh, look at these things as a coherent whole. So in these these different um, degrees or areas, do you feel that one was one was a more fun, more enriching experience, or do you feel they all carry their their own? Um, to write about or to practice? Practice. Um, yeah, I, th I well, you know, I think that the for one thing, they're all sort of overlap overlapping in a way. So although you distinguish between them so if you say that the blacksmith is clearly uh within the uh craftsman archetype but at the same time um it crosses over into the warrior archetype a little bit in that uh there's always been an association between the craftsman and the, the blacksmith uh you know the blacksmith makes uh the the warrior's tools for example and, and in mythology is the you have this sort of mythical blacksmith who would make the, the mythical swords of the sword of Sigurd in Norse mythology and so on or uh, and um, and even for example uh, Genghis Khan's uh, banner I believe was a uh, a blacksmith's apron tied from a uh, from a from a spear or a, a staff so, so so you know you've had these overlaps there and then and then again you know I in the warrior section I wrote about um, uh, the chakras and um, which is the sort of inner energy system that's uh, that's associated with tantra, and most people will probably put that in the uh, magician section. Tantra is usually associated more with the occult or with magic, um, but I looked at it in the in the warrior section uh, because of uh, the influence of this sort of Taoist inner energy, which is very similar, and of uh, and of acupuncture and of acupressure points in in the martial arts, and particularly in uh, Shaolin Kung Fu and and uh, and uh, uh, Tai Chi and so on. Um, so you know, so they're all kind of overlapping as to which one is the more fun. Pro uh, probably, if one really uses the word fun, probably the magician, um, which is, you know, much more sort of free floating and especially today because uh, although, you know, a, a thousand or 500 years ago or several thousand years ago, um, the magic may have been um, much stricter, you know, the shaman would have followed particular rites. Uh, the medieval magician would have you know, followed particular prescriptions or would have studied Kabbalah within the framework of uh, Christian uh, mysticism and, and uh, within the framework of, uh, of, of biblical theology. But uh, today, um, magic has become a sort of um, 
uh, a much more creative uh, world and that's both good and bad of course but uh, you know you have figures like uh, Crowley um, you know less than a century ago who went all over the world and um, was involved in all kinds of mysticism from uh, Sufi mysticism to uh, Buddhism and so on and created this kind of quite uh, curious and maybe a slightly crazy mix and other colorful characters like Austin Spare who are performing this kind of sexual magic to create change in the environment and so on and and then you know that you have this overlap with uh, Tantra and sex magic and Jungian psychology so uh, I would say that that's probably the, the most the most fun whether it would be the most um uh the most fulfilling or, or the most important thing for people to practice today in in general maybe maybe not but um as a subject it's definitely more fun because it's full of more colorful characters among other things so. how would you say that um these three separate stages how would that um relate to somebody in their everyday life both from freemasonry to just a normal everyday person that's not a freemason yeah well in a couple of ways and um uh you, you know so in my in my own life as i say you know i've, I've uh, i studied uh, fine art painting and i studied fashion design at st martin's college in london as well and um you know but i also practiced martial arts and um well write, writing would be another part of my craft and then you know i, pr I practice different uh, i have different spiritual practices as well mostly meditation and prayer but uh but you know, so th so these things come together but um you know i would say that really uh my advice to people would be to practice some kind of art or skill or discipline and, um, you know, for me, ideally, it would be something like painting or a musical instrument or poetry. Uh, these are very traditional. And, um, you know, practice some kind of physical art that's demanding, especially for men, whether that's a martial art or weightlifting or some kind of, um, uh, some kind of contact sport. And to know some self-defense as well, which is not, not the same as martial arts. Um, because, you know, martial arts has other things in it but not everything is applicable to defending yourself as well yeah, and and um and then with the magician definitely to cultivate some kind of spiritual practice at least trying to meditate a little bit each day uh, at, a, at a minimum um but you know if if for example someone really thinks oh you know i really don't want to paint or anything like that you know i always say at a at an absolute minimum you know learn to cook because that is an art one of the problems we have today is that um you know pretty much no matter which industry we're in it's very unusual for people to create something from beginning to end and um, usually we're just involved with a, a, a piece of the puzzle within a company so we're just dealing with the accounts or we're just dealing with sales or we're just dealing with something else or if you are in a creative field you know today uh, this doesn't go on in america very much not not much is made today in, in terms of clothing but you know if you went back a century ago uh, somebody who was a seamstress would make the entire dress or the entire pair of jeans um when they were jeans were first created um but now if someone is making a pair of jeans professionally they're probably just endlessly sewing on one pocket or endlessly sewing up the sides of the jeans it's called piecework so they just do one thing over and over again yeah. but never make a, a complete 
uh, garment because it's just faster to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So you could get a hundred out or a thousand out rather than 10 or 20 or so a day. And um, I think this continually being in a situation where we never create the whole of anything from beginning to end is, is very unhealthy and it's really never happened before in uh, human existence from what, from what I know. Um, people were usually involved in, in, you know, construction or weaving a tapestry or creating some kind of art or, or making food from the beginning to the end. But, uh, but we've kind of lost that. So in the worst case scenario, someone should at least learn cooking so that you can make a meal from beginning to end. And it's also going to be better for your body and it's also better for your, uh, um, your spirituality in a way as well, that you're not taking in a lot of junk food or food that's unbalanced. There's definitely a pleasure to doing something from beginning to end. I understand the concept of, you know, I've worked personally in places where I've been on that assembly line and had a specific role where I had to do a particular job, but there's absolutely a, a true pleasure to starting something and no matter how long it takes you to get through it, being able to have a completed project at the very end and just it's definitely it's it's almost an initiatic experience yeah I mean, yeah for sure yeah definitely it is absolutely yeah what do you think that these uh three categories why do you think they, they were created what was their purpose behind it yeah, so George uh, de Maizière, who was a, a, a famous philologist of the 20th century, so he he made this claim that, that the craftsman, warrior, and magician, or a priest uh, class, uh, are, are the three classes or castes of ancient Indo-European society. So we're going back thousands of years. And um, you can also find these, I, I would suggest, in probably every other uh, culture. Uh, at least any culture that survived, and um, you know, you you need uh, you need someone who's going to create uh, tools for you, who's going to grow food for you, or even if you know prior to the stage of agriculture, you still need somebody who's creating the tools, and um, and then you need somebody, the warrior, who's going to go out and hunt food and. Um, uh, defend the tribe from uh, from other tribes or possibly uh, you know attack other tribes and take over but at a minimum to defend the tribe as it exists especially if it's a nomadic and wandering through different areas and it's going to encounter different people eventually and then you need some kind of uh, guide for the society about what is advisable to do and what is advisable not to do and um, you know, normally that's the the the, the priest caste who would say this is in, in line with what the gods want us to do, or it's in, not in line with what the gods want us to do. And and often what the gods want us to do is to uh, is to survive and to thrive. So it wants us to have lots of children, or to be strong and and win in battle, and so on. So I think these these three archetypes are basically uh, the, the the three or these vocations are the, the the three that every society would need, and um, you know in recent years or the recent decades um, there've been other um, sort of collections of archetypes that have been proposed, and uh, the problem with with these archetypes, from what I can see, is that you wouldn't necessarily get a very healthy society. 
So, you know, so for example, in one pretty well-known um, uh, collection of archetypes by another couple of authors, uh, they talk about the, the warrior and the magician, but they, they don't uh, talk about the craftsman. They talk about the lover. And, um, and that's fine, but what kind of society would you get with that? You wouldn't get a society, society which is sustaining. And you could say, well, this is about the psyche. But, um, you know, the reason we've manifested these things in the world is, is, you know, is because, you know, we recognize that's what we need. And it's also within a, a reflection of our psyche as well. And if the psyche is unbalanced, uh, um, you know, if you, can't, if you can't create tools or make food and can't defend yourself and um, uh, can't make uh, sort of decisions for your your own well-being you're in trouble and it doesn't really matter if you are a lover as well or whatever if that makes sense yeah. that makes a lot of sense i think it reminds me of the book of the five rings in a way yeah. uh, mm -hmm. kind of encompassing the everything around you in order to be very purposeful and understanding yeah. that some of these areas you need to know. If you don't, you're 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 done. Like back in the day, if you didn't know how to use a sword, you had a problem. Now it's like, okay, you need to know how to use a gun. But you know, back in the day, you need to learn how to use a sword. Or yeah, that, that was the end of it. So yeah, all all that I think you know really ties in to today in in, in different ways, but it ties in. Yeah, that's right. And uh, you mentioned the Book of Five Rings, which was written by Miyamoto Masashi. And, he, and he's also a good uh, example of someone who manages to incorporate uh, these different archetypes because he was a warrior. He was a samurai, was almost certainly Japan's most famous samurai of the day. And uh, But at the same time, there was this element of the craftsman with him because he's also uh, famous in Japan for his calligraphy and his painting. And he was also well known for... Uh, his uh, landscape gardening at the time as well. And then, of course, you know, meditated in a cave and so on. And there is this sort of spirituality within the samurai tradition, mostly associated with Zen Buddhism. So, you know, he's someone who does sort of bring these together as well. And there are certainly other people throughout history as well that do that. Awesome. So the three divisions that you talk about in the book, um, can you make a connection with no, <laughs> like either three degrees or three stages of life or three divisions in masonry. You're gonna have to say that all over again because we just all over. We just got <laughs> the end of it. Sorry. All right. I'll I'll try one more time. So the three different divisions within the book, um, how do you relate them to masonry? Do you, as far as the three different degrees or the three stages of life or what particular connection do you see them being with masonry? Yeah, well, I definitely roughly agree with William D. Moore that you, that you have, I mean, obviously in the uh, Blue Lodge, you have this uh, archetype of the craftsman. Uh, in the uh, Knights Templar degree and some other the chivalric degrees, you have this, the warrior. And then there's an element of the magician in some of the degrees, depending on what you mean by magician. So the Rosequire degree in the, in the uh, Scottish Rite is influenced by Rosicrucianism and Hermeticism, as well as by uh, the Catholic uh, Mass as well. 
And, uh, and then you have uh, other organizations uh, such as the Societas Rosicruciana, which is uh, only open to uh, master masons, but is a, a Rosicrucian group. But um, yeah, this, these, these archetypes most definitely uh, show up within Freemasonry to differing degrees. And the, the magician archetype is also this archetype of the, uh, of the uh, spiritual elder or the, the priest uh, caste. So, you know, we could think of the, the priest or the Brahmin or the sage as well. And, and to some degree, you know, the Freemasons, you know, are trying to work towards a, 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 a spiritual understanding and, and some kind of wisdom as well. But, um, you know, more, more concretely, uh, if, you, if you look at, say, the, uh, the, the craft degrees where we talk about uh, the great architects of the universe. You know, if you go back to Plato, he talks about God as being a, a craftsman. And um, uh, the Syrian Platonist uh, Iamblichus also talks about um, the monad or the, the first cause as being, uh, being a craftsman as well. And, uh, you know, this idea that God or the, the first cause is a, is a craftsman is, a, is very, very, very much like uh, Freemasonry's notion of the great architect. And um, you know, in uh, in 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 Pla one of Plato's theories about creation, he holds that uh, uh, creation came about uh, through these uh, through these different elements: earth, air, fire, and water. And each element uh, was. <laughs> was embodied in these different sort of atoms and each atom was a geometric shape so um, so fire came in the shape of a pyramid so its atoms were pyramid shaped and then um, the earth element uh, the the atoms for the earth element were cubic and all of these different elements within space we might say uh, come together in different configurations and then as they come together in these different configurations uh, that's what creates uh, differences in material existence and um, not in america but uh, i won't say which degree but um in great great britain uh, not in the first three degrees but in one after that um there is a there is a lecture about the platonic solids in there and it's actually pretty important so you know that's directly related to uh, you know platonic philosophy and ancient greek philosophy and so these ideas have kind of come back into freemasonry which itself has you know uh, you know a, a history of three centuries now uh, just from the founding of the grand lodge in, in london with another 300 years of uh, um masonic prehistory as well so it's it's also pretty old but it definitely brings back a lot of these archetypes and um uh these different details of uh, the craftsman and the warrior and you know i mentioned earlier the blacksmith and uh and uh we all know there's a reference to the blacksmith in in the masonic ritual as well and if if you look at the old charges there's uh talk about a, a blacksmith two ball who creates these uh, two pillars and inscribes all of the arts that they have on the two pillars because they believe yep. that um that god is going to or might either flood the world with water and destroy everything or, or burn it with fire. So they hope that one of these two pillars will remain and one will be fire resistant and the other water resistant. So, so, you know, you have this, uh, you know, this archetype in, uh, of the, of the blacksmith or the craftsman in, 
in pre-Masonic or proto-Masonic uh, mythology, and then it comes back again in Freemasonry as well. So, so you find a lot of ancient stuff in Freemasonry, and you know if you look at um, if you look at the, some of the old uh, Masonic encyclopedias, the, the, the range of material that they cover from uh, you know, ancient religion and spiritual traditions is really, really striking. I mean, it would be, I think it would be hard pressed to find any book today that would cover as much ground as they did, you know, a century or 150 years ago, so. Yeah. Awesome. Going back to those pillars, yeah. Should we should we expand on those things? Do we know who found those pillars after the flood? Oh, I forgot who it was now. I believe it was Nimrod. Okay, it was Nimrod, Nimrod and also, right? And the the sons of Noah also talk about it. And Noah's like, "Oh man, we shouldn't mess with that." <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's, that's some good stuff. It's cool to see the different aspects. You know, it's almost like you have uh, the craftsman, uh, the warrior, and the mage or the magician. You have um, uh, a boy, a man, and an elder. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, well, one author on uh, Indo-European uh, studies, uh, he's actually suggested that he calls them three age grades. So when you're a boy, you would become a craftsman. And then when your body matured to that of a man, you would become a warrior. And then when your body right. started to decline, you would become uh, one, of the, the, one of the elders or the spiritual guides. And, um, you know, we should recall, of course, that uh, people were not going to college until, you know, 20, 25, 30 years old, five years old. At the latest, you were going to be helping your parents right. doing whatever they were doing, whether that was working in the field or in a forge or making tapestries or making clothing or something. If as a child you would be helping with that, you weren't going to go to university, you know, a thousand, two thousand years ago. So you were making awesome. spears all day. It's an awesome experience. My parents put me to work in the garden probably. If four you know and that's why nice. i know how to do what i know now and with the gardening stuff or yeah stuff like that so you mentioned that you uh you do kung fu um what other what other meditative practices or or how do you how do you center yourself personally yeah now um yeah, besides Kung Fu, I try to meditate every day. Um, mostly I do uh, chakra meditation. Um, sometimes I just do mindfulness meditation, just focusing on my breath, but mostly I do a uh, chakra meditation. And other, other than that, I do, uh, you know, just uh, praying each day. So I, I try and do that twice a day. So really, really mostly that. And then I have other things I would do throughout the day, but I wouldn't be sitting down and stopping for such as trying to relax my body and this kind of thing and just trying to be be aware of myself but um but those would be the main things the chakra meditation and, and prayer so yeah. awesome what style of kung fu did you study um well i've, I've been studying with uh, one uh, temple now for almost 10 years and that's a mixed style of uh, of uh, kung fu um, from different parts of china mm -hmm. and then when i was in england uh, 20 years ago or a bit more 
uh, I studied uh, Nampai Chuan, Shaolin Kung Fu. And, um, and then in between, I've, I've taken a, a few classes here and there. And uh, so I took a, a few classes in Tai Chi and uh, I used to practice in Chinatown when I first arrived in, uh, in New York in, in the very early morning. And that was, uh, that was another type of Shaolin Kung Fu as well, so. I feel, you know, especially when, you, when you're practicing, you're in that Zen mode when you're sparring, that's where all that goes out the window. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you learn. That's when you really learn. When you're yeah. yeah, that's right. You can that's do a form really beautifully and it looks like dancing or something. Right. And then you spar and somebody's punching you in the face and you really, <laughs> your gestures don't really have that kind of beauty anymore. So, right. Yeah. That's kind of like when you said earlier, you know, what is realistic, what is going to work, yeah. what is just for, for show. And yeah. That's, That's very, right. very true. Yeah, and um, you know, unfortunately, not all school schools really know that, and um, you know, which is kind of dangerous that, that people have this illusion that if they just do drills over and over and, and never have anyone punch them, that <laughs> that they could defend them on the street cells yeah. on the street, and maybe they could because maybe they would just get lucky. But I think yeah. if they did, it really would be just getting lucky. Shake them up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, indeed, definitely. So what is the what's the lesson, whether Masonic or otherwise, what's the main message that you really want to promote through this particular book here? Yeah. Well, you know, part of it is not a message. It's it's me just exploring um the different rituals, different symbols and different myths of each of these archetypes and some different practices that go along with each of them, whether it's like Jungian meditation or whether it's uh, uh, Buddhist meditation or, or working on the chakras or, or whatever it might be. But, um, you know, I do, uh, at the end, I have a chapter, which is sort of a brief overview of uh, how these might work together uh, in someone's life. And, you know, as I say, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I really feel that people should practice some kind of craft, uh, have some kind of physical practice, and then some kind of spiritual practice, which you're trying to do at least the spiritual practice on a daily basis. And hopefully the other, the other one's pretty, uh, pretty frequent as well. And, um, you know, this is not, not a new idea. You know, as I mentioned, <laughs> Miyamoto Musashi pretty much embody that. And many other people have throughout history. Uh, you know, uh, Plato, the ancient Greek philosopher, mm -hmm. also said that, you know, education should be through uh, learning music, which is the craftsman, uh, learning wrestling, which is the warrior, and, and philosophy, which would be, you know, the, 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 the priest class or, or the magician class. And, um, you know, that seems like a, a pretty good all-round um, uh, sort of education, but also uh, a way of considering ourselves to be not one-dimensional because one of the things that we see today is that uh, we're very much compartmentalized in modernity and, and people become too intellectualized and become very proud of their intellectual knowledge, even though it can't be applied or when it is applied, it's just dangerous or wrong. And, um, you know, intellectuals, tend to disdain people who work on the physical body and in contrast you know people who are always pumping iron can sometimes look down on on intellectuals as well or on the arts and become these sort of meatheads 
and this is a, a very un, unhealthy and um, non-traditional and non-classical uh, way of existing. It's a very modern thing. And it's a very unhealthy way of existing that you only try and develop one particular little bit of you. And, um, you know, if even in the, the samurai manual, the Hagokura, uh, you know, there it says, um, if you, if you get to understand other ways and, and ways means art, but it means more than that. It means like, um, uh, a way of, uh, an art that is somehow expressive of a primordial nature or archetypal reality, the, the truth. Then it says in the Hagakura that if, if, uh, the, the, the samurai warrior gets to know other ways, then he should be more and more in accord with his own way. So that if, if, uh, if he's a master samurai, he should be able to, uh, say, uh, practice the tea ceremony or calligraphy or painting and should, should be able to see a relationship between say painting or, or those arts and the arts of, of war. And there always is a relationship. So, you know, most uh, obviously the relationship between the, the brush and, uh, and the sword as well, you know, there's always been uh, um, uh, some kind of connection there. And so you find uh, in you know 19th century Japan and 20th century Japan, you know sword sword masters who later take up um, uh, take up calligraphy and, uh, and and Zen Buddhism as well, and um, you know so they embody these these three vocations or these three aspects of our being, um, whereas in modernity it's uh, that's often uh, very often not the case, and we, and we take pride in our imbalance as well. So, if somebody is muscular, it's not just that they take pride in being muscular, they often will take pride in being ignorant. And then if somebody is intellectual, it's not that they just take pride in being intellectual, they take pride in being physically weak. It's a very weird thing, but it's, it's very unhealthy. And why would you only want to develop just one part of you when you're, you know, you're not, you shouldn't be want to be a cliche or just one little part of your own potential. You should try and develop your in, entire potential. Yeah, it sounds like a real mind, body, spirit triplet yeah. to being a complete and whole, just individual. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, if you, um, you know, if you're more inclined to be the warrior or more inclined to be, uh, you know, somebody who's meditative, if you take up an art or you take up these other uh, types of vocations, you're going to learn much more about yourself and more about the world as well. And it will stop you from being, um, you know, a arrogant as well, which is really yeah. important. So, yeah. But yeah. Expand, essentially expand your mind. <laughs> yeah. Expand your yeah. mind, your body and your spirit. That's there right. All of it. So what do you hope a reader that reads your book takes away from it? Um, yeah, well, a couple of things. And one thing is definitely to try and develop all sides of yourself or at least right. appreciate these different arts. Because, uh, you know, um, you know, okay, maybe you don't want to take up an art, but still it would be good if somebody went to, let's say, went to museums and saw culture or try to understand their culture as well and other cultures. And, um, you know, so I definitely would say that that, that is a part of it, although it's, you know, I really tackle that at the end. Um, but the other part is really just this exploration of different you know, myths, rituals, and symbols and practices associated with the craftsman, the warrior, and the magician. And, um, you know, I, I do think, um, and I think this, I'm saying this objectively, that the, the, you know, I, 
I discuss a lot of things that aren't really discussed in other books or mentioned or really known about. And, and that ranges from, say, uh, you know, most people know about the Kabbalah now, but very few people know about uh, Islamic Neoplatonism and, and how very similar it is to the Kabbalah. So in Neo Islamic Neoplatonism, you have this idea of Allah, and then from Allah comes uh, this first emanation, and then you have all these other emanations. There are 10 in total, and each one rules a planet, and then finally the uh, forces come together to create the conditions for the human being. Which is uh, which is very similar to the Kabbalah, where you have this emanation through these different spheres, and then at the end uh, you have uh, Malkut or or the, the material plane, as it were. And mm -hmm. um, you know, I also talk about other things such as um, uh, Kana, which is um, uh, is uh, an Iranian or Persian uh, Shiite um, uh, martial art that was influenced by Sufism and uh, by Islam. And, um, you know, many, many other practices such as Taoist in alchemy. So, um, you know, I try to look at all of these different things holistically and in relation to, to uh, similar traditions. Um, so we're really trying to, you know, provide more information and to just look at these, each of these archetypes um, in an in-depth and a, a fairly complete way that would reflect uh you know that we find reflected in freemasonry in different ways so so on the one hand i want to give people knowledge of these archetypes and on the other hand would be to encourage people to develop these different aspects in themselves as well so i guess those would be the main two so in um speaking of further information further light can you tell us about any uh, future stuff you're working on right now? Or you have currently have a book in the works, or yeah, I'm, I'm just at the end of uh, editing another book, which is it's uh, it's related, but it, at the same time, it's very very different. So um, that'll be out in a couple of years because <laughs> 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 publishing doesn't move quick, and uh, yeah, it does. And I'm also working on Hurry something up smaller. So yeah so yeah so it's 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 kind of um it's kind of a follow-up book to that but it, at the same time it's it's very different so i don't want to give too much away but uh fair yeah i mean the similarity would be that it's looking at archetypal uh culture and civilization and also looking at different practices and how we can transform ourselves so it's a little more hands-on than this and a little more philosophical so but uh, it was it definitely relates. Where can people find your book and purchase? Uh, luckily, it's you can get it pretty easily. It's on Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble, and um, it's in other large booksellers in other countries as well. So it, it's it's pretty easy to get a hold of. Or if you want to make my publisher's day, you can probably just order it from Inner Traditions. But otherwise, you know, all of the large uh, large bookstores will be carrying it okay. and is carrying it. Yeah. Well. I really appreciate this. Thank you very much, Angel. We hope you could ever, you could make it down to our lodge one day and just, you know, hang out and fellowship. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm, Definitely. I would have been there this weekend had it not been for the coronavirus lockdowns, yeah. but um, yeah. So hopefully next year I'll, uh, I hope to be there. So we'll definitely meet up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really like LA. So I always jump at an opportunity to visit. <laughs> Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We really, really thank appreciate you. it. And oh, we thank look you. forward to meeting you in person. And um, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it.